Good morning. This morning's reading can be found in 1 John chapter 4. And if you want to follow along in one of the church Bibles, it can be found near the back of the Bible on page 1227. So it's 1 John chapter 4, and we're starting from verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This is the word of the Lord.
So, good morning, everybody. I'm Debs, and I'm on the staff team here at St. Jude's, and it's a great privilege to be up here this morning talking about this passage. But before we do so, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of your words. We thank you, Lord, that we have access to the Bible. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that as we look at it now, you will speak through those words. You will use me to speak to others, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, and soften our hearts that we might hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this term, we've been working our way through the book of 1 John, which, as you know, comes at the end, near the end of the New Testament. And it's likely that the author of this letter is the author of John's Gospel, And he was writing here to a group of believers who were living in very unsettled times. They were confused about their faith, and some of them were living quite immoral lives, and they weren't actually showing practical love to those around them, and yet they were still claiming to belong to Christ. And I would suggest that we too are in the middle of unsettling situations, with attacks being made on world peace, Attacks being made on our climate and our um, natural world. And attacks being made on the very values which we've held dear at the centre of society for hundreds of years. And people are confused. So this morning we're going to look at God's love from this passage. And it's such a huge subject. So, I mean, I could talk for the rest of, rest of today on it, but I'm not going to. I'm going to try and keep up myself to the three points. But, I mean, God's love is just so huge. It's very hard to put it into a small talk. But before we start, just a quick diversion. So, here at St. Jude's, we have a mission. Who could tell me what that mission is? I'll give you a clue. It begins with making. Anybody? Making Jesus the heart of South Sea. Fantastic. Brilliant. Lovely mission. We have two values on which we base all that we've done. Now, I hope you're going to know that because Adam's already mentioned them today. So, anybody? Word and spirit. spirit. Fantastic. Because without both of those, we can't do anything. And then finally... We have three ways in which we live that out. So, anybody tell me any of them? Okay, one begins with growing. Okay, it's growing faith, it's offering hope, and it's sharing God's love. By living out those three things, we can work towards our mission of making Jesus the heart of South Sea. Growing faith offering hope. So yes, Jim, if we could have that first slide, thank you. Offering hope and sharing God's love. And I was really excited that actually when I started preparing this, I realized that actually the three points I want to make actually are growing faith, offering hope, and sharing God's love. I mean, how cool is that? So the first point I want to make, okay, thank you, Jim. The first point I want to make is that God's love is active, real, and tangible. So at the beginning of the passage, we're told that love comes from God. In verse 9, it says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world 
that we might live through him. He loved us first. And as we grow in this knowledge and learn to receive his love and live in that love, so our own faith will grow. And God's love for us is shown through action. It's God's initiative. It's passion expressed in action. Now, I really love Portsmouth Football Club. Some would say that I am passionate about that club. I love it. But if I never went to see a match, if I never followed their results to see how they did, if I didn't know any of the team players, I think you might question the amount of passion that I actually have for that club. So if I want to demonstrate passion, I need to act. And God has acted to demonstrate his passion for us. He loves us so much that he doesn't want us to stay in the mess that we are. He sent Jesus into the world so that all who believe in him will have eternal life through the forgiveness that is found in Jesus. And it's not just in the New Testament that God acts. God acts all the way through the Old Testament as well. Think of Noah and the ark. The world was a mess and full of people making selfish choices. So God got Noah to build the ark so that we could all start again. That was God's initiative. Think about Abraham and the covenant to to populate the world. Whose initiative was that? It was God's. Moses and the burning bush. Whose initiative? God's. And so on throughout history, God initiates love, rescue, and relationship. And the great thing is that he doesn't wait until we're perfect and all sorted before he loves us. It doesn't depend on our own righteousness or worthiness. There isn't a standard against which we're measured before God loves us. But because of Jesus' actions, we are forgiven and we can be in a relationship with our passionate, active God. But how can we know this love is real? I would hope that if I asked people this morning, we would be able to come up with huge amounts of evidence to demonstrate how God's love has changed our lives. I know that my life is very different to the life I had before I met Jesus 30 years ago. I used to be very driven and very competitive, and I was unsure whether I was loved unless I was the best at everything. And since I made a decision to follow Jesus, that's changed. I am still a little bit competitive, but actually I know that I'm loved. I know that I don't have to be the best. I don't have to prove myself in order to earn that love. And I know a peace in my heart that wasn't there before. I don't have to worry about my future because I trust that God has plans for me. I look back over my life and I can see how God has guided me and how he's used me in his purposes, how he's grown me into the person that I am now. And of course, I recognize that I'm not perfect and I'm not the finished product yet, but I trust that he will continue to work in me and change me into the person that I am supposed to be. So God's love is very real. But I think too, 
if I asked people for their experience of God, many people would be able to tell of specific times in their life when they knew God's presence in a very real and tangible way. They knew the Holy Spirit in them. Verse 13 says, This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. Jim, if you could put up the next slide, please. Thank you. Just the other week, Neil and I were on holiday on Shetland, and we were walking along this beautiful white sanded beach, and you can see that the sea and the sky were blue. There were cliffs, and there was lovely lush green grass on the top. We could hear the sheep, and we could hear the lambs bleating, and we'd just seen two seals swimming in the sea, and we were just watching a couple of red-throated divers who were just offshore. And I was full of gratitude for the beauty of creation. I was giving thanks to God for my life, for my family, for my friends, for, for holidays, just for so much. And I honestly felt so full of joy that I just, I felt like I was going to burst. I just wanted to cry with joy. And that to me, for me, that's a way that I know that the Holy Spirit is in me. He just gives me so much joy and I, I, I just wanted to explode with it, really. Now, you will all have different examples. You will all have different ways that you know that God is very real in your life. You will have known his tangible presence in your life. And perhaps in life groups later this week, you might discuss some of those things and encourage one another with the stories of how you know God's love is real. So, next slide, please. The second point... I want to make today is to do with offering hope because when we are loved with God's perfect love we do not need to be afraid I mean how good is that how many people do you know who are bound up in fear anxiety or depression but God's love offers a way out God's love is a ray maybe even a beam of hope and if we know that for ourselves we can offer hope to those around us who are caught up in unhealthy cycles of fear and anxiety. Now, please hear me. I am not saying that people who suffer from depression or anxiety are not Christians. No, because I know that Christians are just as vulnerable to mental illness as anyone else. And many Christians I know who have a strong and active faith still struggle with depression and anxiety so I'm not talking about depression with a capital D or anxiety with a capital A. I'm talking more about the times when fear leads us to worry, to be anxious about what may or may not happen, when we feel sad just because. And the great thing is that there is hope even in the midst of storms. Listen to the message version of verse 18. Thanks, Jim. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death or fear of judgment, is one, yet, one not yet fully formed in love. So how good is it that God's perfect love banishes fear? I remember a talk at New Wine one year where the speaker asked us to think about the guests at our dinner table and who did we invite to our dinner table. So for some people it might have been pride 
or it might have been jealousy, or it might have been shame. For me, at that time, it was fear. I had, I was, I was fearful of the future, and I had a very real fear that I would not live to see my grandchildren. Now, I don't know where that fear came from, because we've got no family history that would suggest that was the case. I didn't know anybody who had died young and not seen their grandchildren at that point. So I don't know where that fear came from. But I do know that it was a very, very real fear. And it was crippling at times. And it reduced me to tears. It was a, it was a huge, very real fear. So that evening, at the end of the talk, I went forward for prayer. Because I don't want fear at my table. I want Jesus. And the very next morning... My Bible reading include Philippians 2, verse 28, which in the New Living Translation says, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. And I just thought, no, brilliant. I don't want fear. It's gone. And of course, there are so many verses about fear in this book. There are apparently 365 places where we're told to not be afraid or to not fear. So that's one for every day of the year. Fear comes from the evil one. He tries to convince us to forget just how good God's love is. So if you're feeling fearful, maybe try and remember some of God's promises that will bring hope into situations. In Deuteronomy, we're reminded to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, that's your enemies, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And with Jesus, we can, we can control our thoughts. And I'm not saying that that's easy, but with Jesus on our side, we can try. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And I know there's been a time in my life when I held on to that verse and every time those horrible thoughts came in, I would stop and I would intentionally pray and give those thoughts over to Christ. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. There are so many more verses in this book, so many more verses that can encourage us and help us in those times of fear and despair. So again, perhaps in your life groups, maybe take some time to share some of your favorite verses and encourage one another with those. So, first two points, God's love is active, real and tangible. So let's help each other grow in faith as we share stories of work in our lives. Yes, please, Jim, thank you. And because of God's love, we do not need to be afraid. This is the hope that we can have and offer to those around us. So finally, this morning, we've got sharing God's love. So verses 19 to 21 say, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar that's quite strong, isn't it? For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. 
we're called to share God's love. If we know just how much we are loved, we can't help but share it with those around us in our actions and by our words. Because if God loves me with all my flaws and imperfections, he loves you with all your flaws and imperfections too. And therefore, I'm called to love you just as you were called to love me and everyone else in the world, even those people who don't yet know Jesus. And that's how it's supposed to work, but it's not always easy, is it? Personally, I find it quite hard to love some people. One of my best friends is in the middle of a trial where her son, a policeman, was attacked with a knife by a convicted drug dealer. He was the the drug dealer was going for Ben's throat. Ben put up his arm and his arm was severely damaged, so much so that they thought he was going to lose completely the use of his arm. But it's only through God's miraculous healing, which was completely unexpected by consultants and surgeons, that actually he's got the use of his arm back again and he's, he's back at work. Obviously incredibly traumatic. But anyway, they're going through the trial at the moment. And I find it really hard to see any good in this man. How can I love him when he deals in death and he has complete contempt for human life? And yet, God loves him. Right now, I don't. It's too fresh. But I will get there with Jesus' help. Because his love is for everyone. Even those we find difficult to love. Those who are different from ourselves. Those with whom we disagree. Those whose choices are different to ours. And every time we step out of our comfort zone to show love to somebody, we're stepping out for God. We're demonstrating his love. There's a brilliant film out at the moment called The Jesus Revolution. And it's a true story of the revival in the 70s amongst the hippie community in California. And one of the hippies, Lonnie, spoke to a pastor and challenged him to open his church to those people who were different. And the people came, hippies who were searching for all the right things, but in the wrong places. They came and they met Jesus. They found a sense of belonging, a sense of purpose. They found love and acceptance. And some of the original church members didn't like it much. These, some of these hippies, they didn't even wear shoes and they were staining the new carpet. Jesus doesn't really care about the carpet. He cares about people's hearts. And he loved them just as he loved those who were already in church. So I wonder what it is sometimes that holds us back from loving our brothers and sisters or from sharing our faith, sharing God's love. Might it be pride, or might it be a sense of unworthiness? Might it be that we don't have time, or are we afraid of rejection and failure? There's a brilliant line in the film where the pastor's wife says to him, just before he preaches, when he's suddenly worried that he's not able to do this, she gently says to him, she says, don't be so arrogant to think that God can't work through your failures. 
Don't be so arrogant to think that God can't work through your failures. See, that's the thing. God is amazing. The Holy Spirit knows our hearts. So when our motivation is to share God's love, he will take that willingness and he will use it despite our own failures. And we may not see the results, but we can trust that God will plant seeds and grow them and nurture them. When I was preparing this, I found a brilliant quote. When we love one another, we represent God to the world. And I just love it. It's just so simple, isn't it? We represent God to the world. We represent God in the world. I, I, it's just so simple, but I love that. And so it might be something simple to share God's love. It might be as simple as just asking a neighbor or a colleague how they are and really listening to that answer. Or it might be a little bit bigger. You might actually need to forgive somebody. Or it might be that you need to ask forgiveness of somebody that you've heard. There are so many ways that we can show God's love to those around us. And we share his love, not because we ought to, not because it's our duty. No, we share God's love because we know how much we are loved and have been forgiven. And when we know that, we can't help but show God's love to others. And that's our calling, to work and pray for the kingdom to come, to show people just how much they are loved, to introduce them to the love of God. We have to be bold. We have to offer hope to those around us. So let's pray against fear. Let's ask for strength. Let's ask for wisdom. Let's ask for courage. And so those, final, those three points again, just to sum up. God's love is active, real, and tangible. Let's help each other grow in faith as we share stories of his love at work in our lives. And then because of God's love, we don't need to be afraid. This is the hope that we have and we can offer to those around us. And finally, sharing God's love out of the overflow of the love that he has for us and has demonstrated through Jesus. So let's pray. If you'd like to stand, if you're able. Jesus, I thank you that you came to show just how much God loves us. Thank you, Lord, that you pour out your love upon us. In you, in your perfect love, there is no fear. Lord, help us to offer hope to those around us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Fill us so that we might share that love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lovely, thank you, Bryn.